0: Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, here with my co-host, Patty Marbury of Finance Outreach and Compliance.
1: Hi, Brandy.
0: Hey, Patty. Uh,
1: Happy
0: Friday. Happy Friday. If it's not Friday when you're hearing this, we're just sending you some good Friday vibes anyway. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) We're just excited because it's a Friday and it's a sunny Friday, something that has been in short supply around here lately. So anyway, we're bringing you today the first episode of a series that we're going to produce on a book called The Speed of Trust by... Stephen
1: M.R. Covey.
0: Thank you for jumping in there because I was frantically looking <laughs> around for where's my book? I won't get his middle initials right.
1: She needed to know that it was the M.R. The M.R. M. R. M. R.
0: The younger Covey. You've probably heard of the, the Cubby dynasty of um, professional and thought and consulting. Um, mm-hmm. So he, the his dad wrote the Seven Habits, Seven Habits of Highly Effective, Highly Effective People. And other
1: yeah books. So and he's written some other books, too.
0: Yeah, Covey's a big name. But here around finance, um, The Speed of Trust has been a big one lately. And whether you are in finance or in UVA or not even around the university, The Speed of Trust is a really cool book. The concept is great because Covey talks about how – in fact, it's the subtitle of his book, Trust is the One Thing That Changes Everything. And whether we're thinking about our relationships at work or personal relationships, I think that our listening audience will find this some really rich and interesting content.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've been working with this book um, in our leadership team here in finance, and I think a lot of other folks here around the organization have picked it up, and it's sparking a lot of thought and conversation. And we thought we'd just bring it to everyone else as well because yes. it's got a lot of really good things for you to think about for yourself and for your team, for your relationships, mm-hmm. and for organizations that you're part of yeah. at large.
1: And it's, um, we're going to divide up the podcast into five mm-hmm. sessions um, and hopefully give you enough that you either will be interested in reading it or that you will... Feel like we gave you enough that what we give you is useful enough that you don't have to read it. Sorry, Stephen Covey. <laughs> we won't be bless you. Thank you. Confer- um, this we, conference room always makes me sneeze. We won't uh, be necessarily selling more books, but we we might. So that's that's cool. And um, today's
0: session is um, Patty chunk this content up in a way that I think will help us digest the concepts. Today we're kind of doing an overview, and if you have the book, this is good information that you can see kind of in the afterward section Mm -hmm. but it does a really good job of explaining why we're even talking about this like what's at stake
1: i think it'll be important to um go over some of this the content that he writes in the afterward of if you do have the physical book it's the book that is the i don't know what edition it is but it is the it has a blue cover Um, and so which this information is not in the Um, earlier versions obviously so it's an afterward but I think it's good to start there Um, but before we do that even I I wanted to comment on the fact that he talks about um, when he says the one thing that changes everything Mm -hmm. he talks about trust being the key leadership competency and I just wanted to read this quote Um, the ability to establish grow extend and restore trust with all stakeholders customers business partners investors co-workers and i'm sure you can think of other stakeholders including family members um, is the key leadership competency of the new global economy and i think that's a pretty good um i mean that's what that's what he believes but as we're going to start talking about the book and in particular what he's writing in the afterward you'll see that that's true, it, that it really impacts everything. It really does impact everything.
0: And even before just recent mm-hmm. um, years in the political life of our country, right. <laughs> um, where it seems like everything is contentious and there, and um, <clears throat> trust is constantly called into question, Right at a corporate level, yeah. there was definitely a crisis of trust occurring. Mm-hmm. And I think if you pause and think back to the scandals that have made headlines in the past five years or decade it shows that what you think you can trust is not always really trustworthy and I think as a as a whole group of people we've come to be distrustful and suspicious Mm -hmm. and that seeps into relationships and work environments, mm-hmm. and there's always a propensity, I think, to, especially when you're in a large organization, yeah. to distrust yeah. leadership or distrust intent, Yeah. and we work here at UVA in a large organization, and sometimes you don't have all the face time that you would want with leadership to really understand what's going on, so mm-hmm. um, it's a really timely topic no matter where you are. Yeah. And there's a lot of self-assessment involved in this too, which I yes. think is is great. Yeah, as
1: we as we get into the next podcast, yeah, um, that's where we start. As as a lot of uh, books I've read, Covey books in particular, um, and then others always talk about self-assessment first, mm-hmm. which I think is really good because you can't tra- change anybody else. Yep. Really, you can only change yourself. So um, say so they start there, and we're going to really ta- dive into that in the next. Next session okay but um, before we get into that um, I wanted to talk about some of the thing, the comments he makes in the afterward where he says that um, there are ten main reasons for um, focusing on trust and so the first you started talking about which was we're living in a world where there's declining trust absolutely Um, and he talks about there being a crisis of trust and I really agree with that. I mean, if you read any headlines, just pick them up. You, you see them everywhere. Um, and I like that he points out too that distrust is contagious. Yeah. yeah. That,
0: that's very true. Yeah. Once you, once you sow person, some doubts, right. it'll yes. flourish and grow. Right,
1: more so than the opposite.
0: Yeah, but so. you know, as he points out, and I think this is an important balance, to strike that trust is also contagious mm-hmm. and he makes a, a case throughout the entire book of trust as being something that can be rebuilt, something that can be intentionally grown right. and it, that's a key idea for me in the book because we don't always think of it that yeah. way. It's like once it's lost, it's lost Yeah. but that it can be earned and demonstrated and, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean and and on the flip side of that or on the more negative side of that is trust can be destroyed in a second Absolutely. where it takes yep. time sometimes to earn it right so it's not like it it just turns on a dime yeah <laughs> so it's it's these things that you you need to focus on and increase trust but make sure that you're you maintain it as well so um but when you think about the being in this crisis of trust and the obvious is is um the headlines you read and the scandals and uh in corporations and government and all that but then also think about um when there's issues in healthcare. oh yeah um he brings up that tylenol scare years ago oh, where there I was remember. somebody yeah. had injected tylenol and how they dealt with that it, in fact he uses it as a good example of rebuilding trust but just all all over the place churches the whole church scandal yes um so we don't, you don't have to go very far to see that trust is a big issue in our world today. Um, and then he talks about this too, that we don't even trust ourselves. So think about, we're, we're in the end of January right now, and think about if you've made a New Year's resolution, have you kept it? I think his quote, his uh, statistic that he shared was something like 8% of people who make New Year's resolutions keep them
0: yeah and he gets into that further in the book talking about how like trust begins in yourself and if you can't trust yourself yeah 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 you're not going
1: to trust other people i don't trust myself around toffee (laughs) yeah we actually have toffee in the room yeah thanks kelly Hostetler, manager (laughs) gave us each toffee um so so anyway um it's we're definitely at a time that what he shares in this book is, is more timely than ever, probably well, even more than when he wrote it in the first place.
0: Absolutely, and moving on to point number two, that mm-hmm. we did one of the 10 in the afterward there that kind of established the foundation for why this topic is good to th- consider, but um, not only is there a crisis of trust, but it's also, this number two point, trust is the engine of the sharing economy. Yeah. It's necessary
1: to the way that we're going to be doing things. Yeah, well, think about a um, couple of examples are, think about um, ride sharing or like Uber. Right. You are trusting totally.
0: a yes. person
1: to get you from one place to another. The Uber I, driver is trusting you not to, to be not, a murderer. <laughs> right. So, so that's a great example. The other is like it's, uh, retail sales online or not even retail, right. but um, like eBay and things like yep. that you're You're sending your money to somebody, a private seller, and trusting that you're going to get the whatever you, it is you purchased. And yeah, so
0: in a very w- real way, as he points out, trust determines economic performance, and yeah, as we as we continue to take these kinds of relationships out from and under the official like corporate structures, yeah. It becomes even more
1: Airbnb, another example. I know. I mean you're putting your home out there. Yep. It's crazy. So so the and those things are just growing. So it's um so being the engine of the sharing economy I think is a apt description. I
0: think the next one will also resonate with our audience. Number three, the nature of work today demands increasing collaboration. See also our collaboration fatigue <laughs> <laughs> podcast and the, our um, what is the other one we did? Inner um, interdisciplinary teams. That was good uh-huh. too. Right. Yeah. But yeah, we are all working in an environment where uh, you are going to work with teams in your corporation that are not your own, and also in terms of just globally your organizations are going to be pairing up together to work together in new ways, and that requires a
1: lot of trust. Well, yeah, and and also the fact that teams are working remotely. Yes, absolutely, good point. Sometimes people don't even physically ever see each other. Yep. And so, um, or managers have to trust people. So so teams that are working remotely are people that are working remotely. you know those kinds of things physical distance can't be a barrier to and, and if
0: you can't trust the people that you're working with you can't really get the job done you can't mm-hmm. focus
1: on working together toward that right. result yep um, and the next one is changes the new normal in a disruptive world number four so he he and I think maybe this is best to just kind of um, highlight what he says, the most perishable commodity in a high-change environment is trust. So when change is happening, which is happening all the time, um, the first thing that goes or the the thing that's tested the most probably is trust.
0: And you can think of this on large and small scales um, as teams reorganize, as mm-hmm. economies change, yeah. as governments change, as... Right. Whatever. You know, right. it can be something very small scale to something very large scale. But when things change and when disruption comes, trust is like the buffer and the lubricant that keeps all that
1: right moving it's, and more comfortable. Right. So it's the thing that can, that is the hardest or the most, like he says, perishable commodity. But it's also the thing that if you can um, build a high trust organization around that, that it's the thing that will help you be able to get that. Change happen um, with speed, commitment, and all of that.
0: Number five, I love because it's also one that we a topic that we've tackled recently. Oh right! <laughs> Number five, our yeah. multi generational workforce necessitates a different approach. See how our 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 work on. <laughs> See our podcast on bridging the the generation, generation gap. gap. <laughs> yep. Um, with Lisa Harris. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. So, um, I mean, Lisa's contribution to the conversation made it fantastic. I'm not just saying we're fantastic. I mean, we kind of are, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: But, yeah, working with different generations, the the, uh, millennials and the generation after that, what are they called again? Gen? The iGen? iGen? Or something like that. I don't know. Um, See see the podcast. (laughs) See the podcast. We don't remember. (laughs) Um, They are... um, Expect to be trusted. And they operate from a, a um, start with trust. Yeah, right? not that I have to earn right. trust. Where traditionalists tend to feel like trust needs to be earned. Um, and so it may be, both may be true, right? You know, like it's true that um, trust needs to be earned, but when you have people working in your workforce that are operating from a place where They believe that you should be trusting them. Mm -hmm. To bring them into a place where you feel, where they're feeling like they need to earn it, you know, doesn't really
0: start off. And just thinking about when we had that conversation with Lisa about um, working with one another and just establishing trust between Mm -hmm. one another, I feel like in general the -hmm. multi-generational workforce necessitates a kind of Trust and a, like yeah. a relaxing of that suspicion of you're different than me, right? I mean, and that's bad because yes, yeah. we're different, but it yeah, we can approach one another to the, our mutual benefit yeah. through those differences. So, trust is necessary, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the next one's is trust is the critical, critical enabler of strategic initiatives.
0: That's hard to say.
1: So, tr- <laughs> right, <it> is. <laughs> so trust is vital to strategic initiatives, which is also. Just hard to say. It's
0: and, and it's very. This is a very timely one, mm-hmm. um, because when you're thinking about big goals mm-hmm. that people that organizations and people have, you know, working toward um, initiatives that are worthy and benefit multiple audiences and are supposed to be good for us, but if if we don't have trust. Um, the failure rate becomes much higher. He points out that most organizational performance issues are actually trust issues in disguise. Yeah, yep. So the, the things that will kick your strategic initiative right in the knees mm-hmm. often come down to a root
1: cause of right. lack of trust. And, and he goes on to say if you get better at trust, you get better in every aspect of organizational performance
0: yeah you can have a brilliant strategic plan that sounds right looks right has all the right milestones and the pathway to success but Mm -hmm. a lot depends on a thing that you might not have factored in right yep all right um number seven trust itself has become a key strategic initiative
1: and that's true of our
0: own organization here yeah that's Um, why we're talking about this right that's why we read the book yeah because it is a key strategic initiative it is Um, and I think you know from the president to our VPF Melody Bianchetto the idea that um, trust is something that we should function or we should focus on has been
1: made a priority yeah well one of our core values here is to be a trusted business partner um, in the area of finance here at the university and so um, Right. You know, like yeah. that, that's, it just goes to what our very core is and what we believe to be one of the reasons we exist.
0: And I, I hate to like bring in the word intentional because uh-huh. I think it's become kind of a
1: trendy buzzword. Mm-hmm.
0: But making trust an intentional focus of how you operate is really key because, like Covey points out, you can tell by looking at the performance of an organization. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they have trust, because success and trust are pretty easy to correlate. Because yeah. if you outperform your competitors, the market has greater trust or confidence in your organization, your product, your services, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: now, that can be destroyed
1: right. easily, as we right. said,
0: but it's sustainable when you have that trust. Your success right. is sustainable. Yeah. It makes and sense. It, it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's only common sense. So, um, you know, we, we're going over all these things. And I'm glad he put them in the afterword because it makes the case easily for why mm-hmm. you should be focusing right. on this. Well,
1: and when he talks about it being a strategic initiative, a key a key initiative of trust itself being a key initiative, um, he's talking about grow, the importance of growing trust from the inside out. Um, so starting again with self, not self necessarily individually, although that's part of it, but starting with developing a trust Trusting relationships within your organization um, so that others can also then trust you. Um, Another thing we've been working on, and this is his um, next point, is culture. Yeah, number eight. Culture has reemerged as, I didn't think it ever went anywhere, but (laughs) um, as an imperative for organizational success. Um, And so trust is part of building that culture of an organization.
0: You know, just I'm going to say a thing here, and when I, so when I got, um, when I became interested in this position in finance, and got to talk to some folks within finance, got to come for the interview, and then ultimately um, took the position and have stayed here for almost three years and have no inclination to go anywhere else, that's one of the biggest reasons why I love it here. Mm-hmm. It's not because, no offense, finance people, it's not because I'm like, finance is so cool. <laughs> <It's, What? laughs> I don't do math, y'all. <laughs> um, but it's because um, the culture here yeah. is is one that, not that everything is absolutely perfect here by any stretch, yeah. but the culture here is generally one of we want to do the right thing to serve the people that, our inner Absolutely. stakeholder groups. Absolutely, I, I compl- and I've been around a long time. Yeah,
1: and I feel that way
0: too. But I think that's an interesting point, right? That it's what attracts people and it's yeah. what keeps people here.
1: Yeah, and
0: that's why it's important. Mm-hmm. Cult of why uh, why a culture is good? Yeah. Because people aren't backbiting, they aren't having offline meetings and whispering and right. you know worrying about everything. Mm-hmm. we have a, a pretty strong base of trust
1: yeah I, I agree. yep it's important. number nine so nine he talked in the point number nine um, is that yesterday's style of management is insufficient for today's leadership needs. (laughs) The old
0: style of... I'm quoting him now. The old style of leadership, which we might refer to as command and control. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no.
1: So he says that the style style of leadership that's needed today is inspire and trust, or trust and inspire. I like that better. Um, So trust the people you work with and inspire them to make a difference. And that kind of goes back to the generational um, multi-generational workforce yep that people coming into the workforce today that's they want to be inspired and I think it also goes back to his other point about um, not that other people don't want to be inspired yeah the
0: shared economy and the disruption the disruptive environment that we live in I don't think that the old answers like people schooled to produce a certain kind of answer are what is really needed right yeah. now the problems facing the academic world, the corporate world, the world in general, are big problems that are going to take big thoughts to solve. Right. And we need more trust and inspire than we do the command and control. Because nobody's going to come up with those great moonshot ideas under command and control.
1: Right. There's definitely a lot at stake there. And then just speaking of making people more innovative, creative, and and engaged, um, it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, tr- trusting people inspires them to do better.
0: Yep. If you even just think about your kids. Yeah. Again, I have little kids, so I think about that when they feel secure. Yeah. And like they are trusted and have some boundaries, but that they know that everything's good. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a good platform to work from. They come up with the greatest things. Yeah. And we never stop being that way, really.
1: Well, and even just think of, think of yourself in, in the work world. Mm-hmm. If you're given something and your manager trusts you to do something, it's inspiring. You want to yep. do a good job. You are motivated to do well. And so um, he talks about trust being the best in people, and I agree with that. Absolutely. All right, well, we're cruising on to the, the last one, number 10. So number 10, he talks about trust being the new currency of our world today. Um, So he said most people think of currency, they think of money, but he talks about trust being a currency um, in the global economy for all the reasons we, I think, just talked about. So I think this reason number 10 kind of just wraps up everything else, um, where without it, you're, you're not going to be successful.
0: Yeah, there, he said, whether on a global scale or in a handshake between friends, without trust, no amount of money can secure meaningful or prolonged exchange. Right. right. Profound. Yeah, I agree.
1: So those, as I, as we started with that, that's in the afterward of the last edition. And so I, I, after I read that, when I read it, I thought, wow, I wish I would have read that first. Um, and so...
0: Now um, you just did. Yeah. Basically. Now you just did. You really <laughs> did.
1: Um, so I think that sets up the reason why for why would anybody care about trust? Um, I think the for the rest of this podcast, I think we wanted to talk about um, what he really means by the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. Why is the book called the Speed of Trust? Um, and so if you think about relationships that you have. So, early on in the book he talks about, thinking, think of a person that you, with whom you have a high trust relationship, somebody that you trust. Um, and he's, he challenges you to describe what that relationship was like, how does it feel to be in it, how well do you communicate, um, and then think about how quickly you get things done with a person that you trust. Yep. Um, and, and how then, much you just enjoy that. Right and so and then alternatively think about the opposite think about somebody who you have a low trust relationship with and think about the barriers to getting things done that result from a low trust relationship and so I think just by starting with that is is good to drive the point that he makes um, in that first section of the book where the this he talks about the he calls it the economics of trust
0: which is so, a weird way to think about trust but yeah. very
1: apt yeah well he talk he's he really talks about how trust is excuse me i was about to cough trust is quantifiable mm-hmm. and measurable in terms like the taxes and the Right. so he, they use a lot of yeah. economical terms in their um in their writing um they even in the seven habits i think it's the seven habits um covey talks about the emotional bank account and yeah. all of that so um so they're really into that but but i think it makes sense he talks about us so think about it this way he says as trust goes down speed decreases and costs increase as trust goes up as, right speed increases and costs decrease and so um if you think about that in tangible terms, he gives a couple of examples, which I think are really, really great. One is 9-11. So think about... Trust was truck. way down. <laughs> right, at, right after 9-11, yeah. trust went way down. Um, and what happened? What happened?
0: things got very slow in terms of um, screening at the airport, mm-hmm. travel, costs increased on new government agencies and right. spending on these increased right. security measures. Right.
1: So great example, I think, of how when trust goes down, speed decreases and costs increase. And then he gave a great example in the book um, of, on a much smaller scale but of the opposite of when trust goes up, speed decreases and costs, I'm sorry, speed increases and costs decrease. Um, He gave an example of this guy, Jim, I don't know if that's his real name, but who had a donut and coffee stand in New York City, and it was a one-guy show, and he'd get a really big, long line of people, and he realized the thing that was taking so much time was making making change for people, because I'm sure he had to... wash his hands after (laughs) after dealing with money and all that stuff but 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 it's just that making change for people was taking a lot of time and so what he did was um, put out a basket full of money that people could just make their own change and you'd think that that you know that would cause issue he made more money because some people would say well you know I don't really he can have the rest right you know yeah um or and he or like was able, and able to get make
0: through more clients. Well. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah. I can actually make change. I worked
1: at Dairy Queen for a long time as a kid. I can make change. Um, so that's a great example because he he had to have a high yep. level of trust to trust that somebody isn't going to just run off. Now with the his line basket. the line goes faster. He makes more money. Yeah. So um, so I thought both of those were great examples to drive that point of the economics of trust and that the that trust increases um um, decreases speed the higher the trust the lower this um the higher the okay you got me all confused now (laughs) as trust goes up speed Increases. increases so you get things done faster at a lower cost so sounds good to me yeah anyway um then he talks about and you mentioned this before about trust taxes and trust dividends um and he uses a great example of um i don't know if it's here but oh no that's that's a little bit later but he uses an example of trust dividends are like the leaven and bread and i thought that was a pretty good um description of how it makes everything else and makes everything else work and i'm looking for the quote um He says, high trust is like the leaven and bread, which lifts everything around it. In a company, high trust materially improves communication, collaboration, execution, innovation, strategy, engagement, partnering, and relationships. Makes the Um, whole loaf good. Right. So I thought that was a really great um, analogy there.
0: And I like that he talks about the the taxes and dividends because Mm -hmm. it works so well from the individual to the organizational level to think about, are, are we paying taxes or are we receiving dividend dividends? Right. Am I a walking tax or am I a walking right. dividend? Yeah.
1: So not only thinking about your organization and how your organization operates, but think about you in that organization and are you a tax? or you a dividend? So when we think about taxes, there are things that decrease trust things that you do that might decrease t- trust. or And then he also talks about an, paying an inheritance tax, with, which I thought was interesting. An inheritance tax on trust would be, you move into an organization where there's already a low level of trust because of something somebody did before you got there. Right, Might have been the person you, who led before, or whatever the case. But you go in and nothing you did, but you inherit that trust tax. And so that's just something to, to think about. Um, And so he has a whole, and this you'd have to look at the book to do it, but there's, he lists um, a whole chart where you can kind of go through and assess yourself on whether or not you're paying or your organization is paying taxes or receiving dividends.
0: I should mention, just for those of you who are in UVA Finance, um, up in the foyer of Carruthers, there's several copies of the Blue Edition of Speed of Trust jump up there and check it out if you're really interested
1: um and so the the reason that it's really good to go through that assessment is that then you can use that assessment to focus your efforts on where you can make the greatest difference I mean not everybody needs to work on every single aspect of it so that's good um he then goes on to uh, um, talk a little bit about um trust myths and realities and I think Um, that's kind of interesting to think about Um, the that one of the things and we've already touched on this is that trust is soft right and he spends a lot of time talking about the how it's quantifiable and measurable and so there's a lot of things around um, trust that people think is that you know he kind of debunks those myths and I
0: think if you keep up with this series of pods you will really start to see like just how um, not neatly um, in terms of it being easy, but just how close a look he takes at this as something that is quantifiable and something that does have readily identifiable components. I, I think yeah. even if you're listening to this with some trepidation or suspicion that this is not maybe for you, it is not a, a soft concept that yeah. he's working with in this book. And I think yeah. you'll be interested in how he breaks that down in ways that are really
1: applicable and practical yeah one of the ones just just i want to point out um, is that he that the, one of the myths is that you can't teach trust um and he and the reason i want to point that out is that i think if you can realize that and believe what he says which is that trust can be effectively taught i think that that's a good myth for if if you think that then I'll, or if you can kind of believe that how he says it can be taught, then that's something that will make listening to these podcasts be more meaningful, that you know that, well, I can improve in this area. So that's pretty good. And then um, finally, just to wrap up this podcast, I just wanted to, um, or this session, I just wanted to um, think about the, how he structures the, the book, which is he talks about the five waves of trust um, and how trust is a function of both character and competence. And so when you think about character. Your integrity, right. your motive, your intent with people. Right, and then competence is just obviously your, your capabilities, your skills, knowledge, your results, your track record. Um, and then he goes through all of these different waves of trust and, and they are self-trust, relationship trust, Um, organizational trust market trust and societal trust and so we're gonna go through those in all of the next um, sessions
0: yeah I really think that um, if you have not encountered this concept before you'll enjoy this series of pods if you give it give it a shot um again we do have the book available here within Carruthers and it's readily available anywhere you got books or right. on your um electronic devices you can listen to it just listen to it um at 1.5 speed because he reads really slow <laughs> good. good advice Tr- trust me um so anyway we're going to continue with um the next few breakdowns talking about self-trust and credibility, relationship trust, organizational trust, so many things um, that are interesting both to us personally and as an organization that really have potential to make a real difference in the way that we experience success. So for now, uh, we're going to close it up on this opening uh, podcast on speed of trust Thank you for joining us today. You can read more about what finance is up to on the blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. You can check us out in the Jive community if you're here on Grounds. If you've got an idea for a podcast or you know somebody who's doing good work out there, Um, at UVA or having great ideas, please do let us know. You can email myself or Patty or tweet us at at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters.